This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. This is the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast with Andy Hill, session number 42. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Thank you for being here today, everybody. Today's show is supported by U.S. Legal Forms. If you don't have your personal will set up and you're looking for a fast, easy, and legal way to get it done, this is the resource that I'd suggest. My wife and I used U.S. Legal Forms to get our will set up when our daughter Zoe was born. It was a simple, quick, and easy process, and we were able to finish in just a few hours. If you do not have your will... Gotta get it done, everybody. And go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash will to get it set up. If you use that link, you'll be supporting this podcast, so I would really appreciate it. Again, that's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash will. Okay, let's jump into today's fun and exciting episode. Making the transition from a full-time career to a life of business ownership is not an easy road to travel, my friends. It takes courage, fortitude, and a whole lot of passion for your new line of work. The hours and hours of entrepreneurship can be grueling, and at times, the stress can weigh extremely heavily on you and your family. If you're able to successfully run this entrepreneurial gauntlet, in the end, you'll have a business that you're proud to call your own. The work, quote unquote, you'll be doing every day going forward will be personally fulfilling and overall, you'll just have a happier life. For the last eight years, I've been able to watch this entire entrepreneurial process from the sidelines. My brother-in-law, David Manson, is the co-founder and ambassador of Fermentology at Black Rocks Brewery based in Marquette, Michigan. In his former life... He used to have a full-time job in pharmaceutical sales, and it required him to travel across the state each week meeting with different doctors. It was a job like most of us have. It helped him to create a living for his family of five, but it wasn't something he was passionate about. During the Great Recession and a downturn in the pharma business, David and his business partner Andy both lost their jobs. Instead of looking for another nine to five, they decided to turn their hobby of brewing beer in the basement into a real live money making business. They knew the hours would be long. The path to success would be turbulent, but they went for it anyway. In 2010, they bought an old house downtown in Marquette, which they converted into a brew pub. On the first night they opened for business, they drew such a large and thirsty crowd that they sold out of all of their beer in the first night. Given that David and Andy had planned for a supply that would last them multiple weeks, they knew they had something exciting brewing. Black Rock's success continued from there. This brew pub has been serving tasty IPAs, stouts, and pilsners to locals and tourists like me for the last seven years. 
Black Rocks now distributes their canned craft beers throughout the entire state of Michigan. Now I can buy them just at my local store, which is awesome, as well as most of Wisconsin now. With 20 employees and a coverage over two major Midwestern states, this independent brewery is a full-fledged business that's truly supporting the local economy. On the show today, David and I chat about how he transitioned from full-time employee to full-time employer, and what type of business he and his partner Andy want to have in the future. And lastly, David shares some advice for those budding entrepreneurs out there who are looking to make the small business plunge like he did. If you like stories about people who have truly followed their passion and won, you won't want to miss today's episode. David's ability to follow his passion, hone his craft, and perfect his business is truly inspiring. As a guy who's been watching his journey from day one, I've been inspired the whole time. Without further ado, let's sit back and crack open this interview with the co-founder of Black Rocks Brewery, David Manson. Welcome, everybody, to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast. I have an excellent guest today. It is quite a pleasure to be speaking to, quite honestly, my personal idol, David Manson. How's it going, David? Great. How are you doing, Andy? I'm great. I'm great. So, uh, everybody, we are literally sitting in a warehouse. This is actually the first time I have done an interview in person utilizing all of this equipment and I'm, I'm pretty impressed with myself that i got this set up in about 10 minutes so not not too bad but this show's not about me this is about ch- chatting with uh, me david today so how's it going man really well uh obviously we're uh here on a beautiful sunny day in marquette in michigan's upper peninsula and uh you know we've got a nice breeze coming in and kind of reminded why we live here Excellent. Well, life is good. So again, we are we are in the midst of this uh, outside venue. So if you guys hear a little outside noise, just just enjoy. It's fun. So David, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do with Black Rocks Brewery? Black Rocks Brewery. So I am one of the co-founders, and I guess my current title is uh, Ambassador of Fermentology. Why? Just because we can. Um, we all have unique titles around here from the pirate of propaganda, to the wizard of ales, to the brusician. Um, you know, we, we try not to take ourselves too seriously, and I think that's one of the first indicators is when we meet somebody and they ask what we do, we kind of give them a roundabout uh, description of, of our job. And um, So, as the co-founder, uh, I guess it's steering the ship and uh, working with everybody that, that we're fortunate enough to work with to try to make sure we keep putting out a quality uh, beer, and make sure that uh, our employees and our customers are happy. Well, I love beer, and I love your beer, and we're actually having some right now. I'm enjoying, this is a new one. It's, uh, what's this one called? The Barbaric Yop? Yep. Did I pronounce it right? Yep. Excellent. It's tasty. What are you drinking? Thank you. I'm drinking our seasonal honey lavender wheat. Lovely. And it's a beautiful day for it. It is. So, beer. So, how, how long have you guys been in business? Uh, we opened... At our pub on December 28th, 2010. It was a Tuesday. I remember it vividly. We, uh, and we'll get into the backstory a little bit, but we opened up. We had four taps. Um, I think we pretty much had four barrels of beer. Uh, we were kind of entering into a, uh, an untapped, pardon the pun, market for 
a microbrewery. We, we did have a, a long-running brew pub, and the difference there is a brew pub will have food in conjunction with their beer. We were just straight beer. So after a, uh, a, an, an eventful effort to get it open as early as we could, we opened on a Tuesday, December 28, 2010, and ran out of beer. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little scary, but it was also a good affirmation that I guess the market was right for what we were thinking was going to be our livelihood. <laughs> you ran out of beer in a good way. That means people drank it. They, they drank a lot of it, yes. And they were very excited that they were actually able to drink an establishment like ours out of all their beer. Wow. So there was a, 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 a raucous <laughs> cheer, and um, everybody was, was super excited. So what did you guys plan for that evening? How how, how it, you you obviously didn't plan to just sell out that evening. What was the was was there a uh, a capacity you were looking to hit or? Well, we you know because we didn't know we were we were kind of anticipating. All right, we can we need to sell this beer, so we will stay open from noon until midnight, seven days a week, and hopefully we'll sell all that beer. Well, that t- turned out to be a little different than what we um, what had happened. So we really had to modify and kind of kind of swivel um, and adopt at the time that we were going to have a scarce amount of beer over who knows how long. Um, people started to kind of say, you know, it's it's great, it's it's open until it's empty, until they run out. And so we were open Fridays, Saturdays on a good weekend. You know, when we didn't sell too much, we were open a little bit on Sundays, but a busy weekend. Uh, we ran our beer Saturday at seven o'clock, and, and, and people would cheers and yell and be excited. And um, you know, I, we quickly learned that uh, while that's exciting and fun for everybody else, it was getting to be frustration levels for us that weren't comfortable. Sure. Um, so then we kind of started to kind of put money back into the business, of course, and expand and um, get more fermenters and brew and hire hire brewers, so that uh, my partner Andy and I could focus on running the business and getting everything done. Uh, that was required of of anybody running a business. Um, so, you know, it just was a slow growth process, which we've always kind of a, kind of adopted for how we we run Black Rocks. And that's good. I mean, you you want to appreciate it. You want to be able to handle the growth. So, you guys started with the brew pub. You were so successful that it sold out immediately. Open till empty became the mantra. Where did you guys uh, build it up from there? Obviously, you said it was a slow slow growth process, but Purpose, purposeful slow growth because that's how you want to run your business. Where did you guys move from there at that point? Uh, so after acquiring, um, so in our business, the the real stopgap or the 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 bottleneck potential is is fermentation space. You can't rush beer. You can't kick it out of its resting place until it's ready. And so we started with four fermenters and then we kept adding more and buying two more and two more mind you these are one barrels these are you know two of of what people would associate with a college keg um eventually we got to 10 uh brewing non-stop every day all the time and then we said all right this is silly we're we're still running out of beer um let's upgrade to a bigger system so being conservative we got a three barrel system now that's that for us at the time was exciting because we could produce three times as much in about the same amount of time. Um, so we kept running the one barrel, running the three barrel, kept adding three barrels now, and fast forward, you know, a year and a half, uh, maybe two years, we just realized we needed 
we needed beer. So we started looking at other venues to maybe do another pub experience in town, but with a bigger system. We looked at an old theater in town and kind of went down the road of, of developing that. And we kind of had the mantra the whole time of we're going to go with this project until no, mm-hmm. until we get a roadblock or until we get something that just doesn't feel right. We had a, a finance situation kind of rub us the wrong way. And we said, all right, this is our no, this isn't going to work. But and that was with the other location. That was with another location, yeah. which is the, the greatest mistake or the greatest non-actionable decision we ever made. Because we looked at it and we looked at the cost of renovation and what we were going to need. And it really wasn't going to solve our beer problem. In fact, it was going to kind of split and ruin what we like to think of as our cozy pub atmosphere. And so we said, well, we were going to, we were going to kind of jump into this chunk of, of, of investment Maybe it's time to get a really big system for us um, and start putting product on the shelves. And so that's what we did. We bought a, an old Coca-Cola bottling plant and a 20-barrel brew house and three 40-barrel fermenters. And we started to make it and started wow. to sell it and actually able to kind of help the pub and keep those taps running flu, flow, fluidly. And then... Um, so what year was this? What, what this year was, was when you bought the, the, uh, the bottling plant? Twenty. February of 2013 was when we purchased it, had it remod, you know, complete remodel, new electrical, new new everything, you know, everything that goes into to bringing a building up to code and, and available for what we need. We were running our first canning line in um, August. Okay, so you opened the pub in 2010 or 2011? 2010. 2010, and then the uh, bottling plant was in, 20, or, sorry, canning facility. 20, late, mid to late 2013. Okay, got it. Okay, so a good a good process to scale up from one barrel system to, you said, 40 barrels? And, yeah, and so it went one barrel to three barrel, uh-huh. then three barrel to, to 20 barrel. To 40. So, but into 40s, yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. So yeah, slow, slow growth, but smart growth over the over those three years that made you guys uh, feel comfortable with where you were headed, and then built it uh, to a great capacity where you started to then distribute. Right. Correct. Yeah. So after the first kind of run of the production center, it was get product on the shelves, you know, make relations with distributors throughout the UP, and then see how that does. Okay. And then they needed more and then we would kind of get another tank and another tank and then we'd expand our footprint and expand our footprint um so we started with three and now we have 10 with another one on the way and we're in all of michigan and parts of wisconsin wow that's incredible so the growth from 2013 until now we're recording this in 2017 you guys started in the UP, yep. uh, Upper Peninsula of Michigan, for people who don't know what the UP yes, that's is. Right. Uh, you started there, and then what was? Uh, how did how did you trickle then? Then you did the other portions of Michigan. I'm asking questions like I don't know what this process was, everybody, because I'm uh, re- related to David and I know all the details. But I'm asking it in a way so you all can learn. So we started in the UP, and then where did it go from there? Uh, I think our our next kind of foray outside of the UP was into the the Beer City USA or Beer City Michigan and that's Grand Rapids and so that kind of was the next foray and a lot of this was just kind of like word of mouth people would say when are you gonna be in Grand Rapids or you know some surrounding town around there and then maybe the distributor the distributor got word uh, to us that they were interested and so like okay well there's a demand what will that take from us as far as a capacity issue to meet that demand. And um, 
you know, I think we kind of initially said, okay, well, this is good. I think we can service them. And then we open that can of worms and then they want a whole bunch more. So we have to buy more equipment. And then I think it kind of gets to the point where you're vacillating between overproduction and not enough production. And then when it's overproduction, you kind of expand into another market. And sure. so Detroit was next. Um, our, our distributor for the greater UP East uh, market also covers the northern lower peninsula so they were covered so at that point after hitting the metro detroit area we were kind of all around michigan and i was very happy when they hit the metro detroit market instead of smuggling beer from the upper peninsula back down to metro detroit i could just go to the local liquor store and buy my six pack of grand rapids whenever i needed it and that's that's (laughs) kind of the the neat thing about um i would say the, the 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 black rocks mystique is that we, we're, we're not always available everywhere and we recognize that. Um, and we would have people who would say, again, when are you coming to Detroit? You know, my friends bring it down. It's really good. I share it with everybody else. And so we kind of get like an early test market of, of what the market will bear um, and what the potential demand would be by uh, all these people who are coming through our, our lovely, beautiful town for all the things that we have to offer up here. And then going away with either a growler or maybe they bought some some beer up here and brought it down state and uh, spread the word. And we have a, a lot of great friends all over the state that have kept us in the loop on on availability and 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 who's drinking it. And it's great. It's, Excellent. It's really fun. So it hits Metro Detroit, yep. and then you guys decided, hey, let's go into state number two. Yeah, I think it was probably a there was a pretty good gap in between expanding uh, outside of Michigan. We were a little hesitant because we wanted to make sure we serviced all of Michigan as best we could, and we just kind of realized, you know, there's there's a lot of kinship with people in northern Wisconsin um, to the UP. It's three hours away to Green Bay for us. Now, for a point of reference for those listening, from Marquette to Metro Detroit, it's a seven and a half hour drive. So we kind of realized that there's a lot of people that we're not serving into Wisconsin. So we broached and met with distributors and said, we'd like to go into your market limited as it will be, you know, we're not going to have a ton of supply for you, but we just feel like we have to service that area. And so then we opened up in green Bay and then into Fond du Lac. And we just last week opened up into Madison. Wow. Okay, cool. So for the, maybe the brewers or the people who are interested in brewing that are listening, is that a big deal to go from one state to the next, I guess, tax-wise or legal-wise or your or your licenses-wise? How, how does that all work? It was a lot easier than I thought it would be. I thought we'd have to get some sort of additional, um, you know, state licensing process for Wisconsin, but it's actually quite quite simple. As a, as a Michigan licensed brewer, and, and obviously we're federally licensed, um, they just wanted to make sure that we had the federal license and then and then we were good to go. Um, things work differently there as far as some of the, the nuts and bolts, but generally it was as smooth and easy as, as going into, uh, you know, Detroit. Excellent. Excellent. So you mentioned that when people come to Marquette, they learn about you guys and they kind of take away a growler, but they also probably take away some stories of being at Black Rocks. Black Rocks. What? What makes your brewery and your brand kind of unique, different from the other folks? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, think, I think a good part of it is, is all the people that, that we work with on a daily basis. They're all super passionate about beer. They're super great people. They're very knowledgeable about the surrounds that we live in. And, you know, they're, they're quick to say, you know, we're going for a mountain bike ride tomorrow and you're here and you have a bike. Let's go for a ride. And so we're, we're very encompassing of anybody that's visiting. 
and I think there's there's a certain there's just a certain type of a of a vibe when you're coming from an urban area and you visit Marquette and you slow down a little bit. You, you talk to people more. Um, some of our some of our biggest advocates are our long term customers who will realize that you're from out of town and want to tell you everything not only about Black Rocks but about the town. So it's kind of a it's a great meeting point for anybody coming into the area. And so then they have this really great experience, we hope, and we, we try to make sure they do. Um, and then it just kind of spreads. It, they tell somebody, and then they tell somebody. I mean, our advertising budget is, is virtually nil. Um, you know, we do a lot of social media outreach, but I, I, I really believe a, a good portion of our success, if you will, um, I hate to use that word because I'm about 10 years out before I'll actually say that. <laughs> um, but the, the you know the, the spread of, of our brand is is really uh, the people that interact with the people that are there, and and I think it's the, the the brewers are putting out a great product first and foremost, and then the people who are surrounding and supporting it are are amazing people. So not only are you're gonna expect a unique environment and new unique people that you're dealing with at Black Rocks, you guys are literally like the beer ambassadors of Marquette. People want to learn about Marquette. They want to go there. They feel like that's a, a place to stop in and and uh, learn about the city and learn about what you guys are doing. So I know this is a podcast since it's all audio. Can you describe a little bit about the environment when you're when you're in the bar? What does it what does it look like? What are the you know, I'm gonna obviously post some photos and some videos of, of things that um, uh, so people can get a visual uh, on on the show notes, but maybe you can just describe a little bit about what's what's the environment at the, at the brewery. Um, well, first, I would say uh, you have to visit it to understand it, and I will do my best to describe it. But anybody listening, you know, we love to have people from out of town because you know we love to share what we do, both as a product and as a city. But imagine, if you will, uh, a mixed commercial use environment. So we've got some businesses, we've got some homes, and they're kind of all intermixed. You've got neighborhoods, you've got you know a bagel store across the street, and we took a essentially like an old Sears four square house tore out some walls, put in a bar, put in a brewery, and throw some tables around, and there you go. That was the initial start. It was maybe like 600 square feet. Uh, in conjunction with the expansion of production, we wanted to expand the seating capability. So we created an outdoor patio, which is awesome, between May 26th and October 14th. And we all work really hard to enjoy our summers up here. So when it's time to have sun, everybody wants to be outside. And then we needed to expand and go into the upstairs. So the entire house has been converted into this brewery pub feeling. Uh, I guess I would almost liken it to a traditional English or Irish pub that you would see overseas where it's, it's you're sitting next to somebody that you're going to end up having a conversation with just because it's tight and there's limited seating and everybody is so kosher. It's like, can I sit next to you? Yes, please. Where are you from? Let's talk. So I very think, European, very communal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and that that was sort of intent by design or design for intent, but it really just kind of naturally happened that way. That's you know, great. I wouldn't I wouldn't say I, I read any kind of book on how to do this. You right. can't. It's just right. you have to go with what you know. My partner and Andy said, "What would we like? Mm -hmm. What would we want to experience?" And that's kind of what it ended up. We've got 
really cool furniture from a local artist, Andy Gregg. He does market bike furniture. So it's all these bike parts converted into tables and chairs. And, um, you know, we have a lot of local artistry that we kind of want to incorporate into it. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 a very chill vibe. It's not a raucous place. I love it. can it. get raucous, but not in a bad way. <laughs> well, I love spending time there. In fact, uh, you know, we haven't, we haven't been, we haven't we been haven't there since been. I've been. We've been so busy. We, I, I'm visiting Marquette uh, for five days over the 4th of July weekend and definitely wanted to take this opportunity to chat with David. Um, but uh, we're doing all that Marquette has to offer here. We're enjoying the beaches. We're enjoying the Lake Superior and obviously enjoying some, some great beer and some great conversations. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing coast fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. So, David, I want to jump into a little bit more detail about you. Me. So, you didn't always brew beer. You used to have a nine to five, right? I did, and I, I I heard on a previous podcast that you did. I had a W two. <laughs> you like that term? Huh? I did. I loved it. I thought it was great. Those guys were awesome. I've been talking to a lot of early retirees, and I mean, you could fall into that category too, I guess. But you're, you know, it's more of an entrepreneur. You, you started your own business, we'll say. Right. And, and so, so tell us about this this W two. So my old W two, <laughs> I was uh, my partner Andy and I were both working for the same pharmaceutical company, and so we were out pushing 
pharmaceutical products to doctors to push onto patients. And it was great and it was super lucrative. Um, but it was probably about three years in for Andy and, and I was probably at that point 10 years into this job. But we were kind of bored. It was a very root memorization, like regurgitate and try to get past somebody to talk to a doctor. And we we're just kind of feeling like, well, this is great, but we need to do something more creative on the side. Andy's a phenomenal musician. I can't carry a tune or strum a car, guitar, so it, that wasn't an option. And I mentioned to him, I said, I used to brew beer. And he's like, I like beer. I said, well, okay, if we do this, we're going to do it not the way I did it, where you open a can of malt extract, pour it in, maybe get some hops and bottle it and call it good. I said, well, I'm going to do all grain. I want to do it the way like a, a real production brewery would do it. I want to learn all about it. You know, and we'll put it in kegs so we can carbonate it and drink it faster instead of waiting for it to bottle condition. So we said, all right, let's do that. And so we did a lot of research and, you know, we're kind of bouncing things back and forth. And it was probably like 2006-ish. We started to do it in my basement. And it literally was a five-gallon system that we could, similar to what we've done lately. We quickly went, well, this isn't going to work. We need more. And then we went to a 15-gallon system. And then we had multiple fermenters. And we'd have, like, built a little tap tower. And we'd have friends over while we brewed and kind of explained the process and talked all about it. And, you know, we learned a lot. Um, well, then fast forward to the May of 2010, the industry started to get a little, a little soft. And our employers said, well, we're going to have to let people go. Mm. You know, we're going to have to have a downsizing. Andy and I were like, well, wow, this is bad, but maybe good. <laughs> you know, we kind of always talk about. So the entrepreneurial uh, gear started to turn at that point? Yeah, and it was kind of almost like, you know, A, we don't get a chance to reboot your life very often. And, and we were a little longer in the tooth prior to this endeavor than maybe some of the average entrepreneurs or startups. But it just goes to show that, you know, when the opportunity is given, you should just strike and go for it. Um, but the other thing is, is that it, it turned into a real passion for us. So we really kind of looked at it and said, all right, this is something we've all talked about around the, the boil kettle when we were doing the homebrew. Let's do it and let's do it conservatively and hence the one barrel and let's see where the market will bear. And, um, you know, the, the rest, I guess, is history. So Andy lost his job first. And so I was really bummed because I wanted to go too. Yeah. But we'd made a commitment and I said, look, I'm, I'm going to give you 100% as I have it after hours. And so we painted this house. We worked on the remodel. We, you know, we did everything we could. And then I would go work and then I'd come back and I'd brew and he would brew and we would serve beer at night. And so it was just kind of hectic. I was fortunate enough, and I say that, um, at, a, at a pretty dire income reduction that I lost my job a year later. And it was perfect. Um, you know, I got a severance package that allowed me not to draw from the business. And I was able to put 100% into the business. And so that's when we started to really get things rolling. And Excellent. so we were both full in. We had some employees who were brewing better beer than we were. And we were able to manage the growth. And, and that's what it was at that point. That's pretty exciting. So you, you, you had that point in your life. Not only were you thinking, hey, I want to do something a little different than what I'm doing, use my creative brain, use my entrepreneurial you know, muscles, but I guess almost serendipitously at the same time, you know, the, the business you were in uh, required the change. So Correct. instead of getting another pharmaceutical sales job... Which was an option. Which was an option. You guys decided to go for it. So how did those conversations go with 
your wife or my sister uh, during that time. Obviously, that's a tough time when we're, you know, shows all about marriage and, and, and family. So uh, how, how did those conversations go? Um, you know, my wife, your sister, <laughs> is super supportive um, to the point of almost encouraging us to grow faster than we wanted. Like, why aren't you making more? Um, so it was a very, for me, it was a very easy conversation to have. She had no... Um, desire to hold us back from something that we wanted to do that was that was a passion for us uh you know even at at a at a family discount of earnings yeah right you just have to you get lean you just figure out all right well what are we going to cut let's let's cut as much as much as we can to to support this endeavor um it was never anything that i think the family didn't support as a whole it was always something that said yeah go for it and and that for me, I, I, you know, I don't wear that entrepreneurial mantle lightly mm-hmm. because it's all it's all real to me. It's not like I'm just going on a whim and oh, if it if it succeeds, great. If it doesn't, whatever, I'll just get another job in in pharma or sales of some sort. For me, it was like we're we're vested in this. I want this to succeed, and I want I want to make sure that it is something that can supply uh, a living for my family down the road. You know, it's not something that I expect to get, you know, wealthy off. It's nothing that I expect to, um, you know, check in and, and, and work for an hour and then go back and, and have a life of leisure. Right. Every entrepreneur will tell you that it's, it's quite the opposite. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But when you are excited to get up to go to work because there's so much to do and so much exciting things to try to, to negotiate and to try to, you know, foster employees and, and create market and discuss what ultimately is your your baby then it becomes a lot easier excellent well i mean you have a lot of passion around what you do i mean it sounds like the passion really wasn't there with your previous career and you know you weren't weren't super excited to you know drive across the drive across the state and 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 connect with some docs obviously it's fun you're a social guy but you've now found something that you can get up wake up every day and get really passionate around especially if it's yours too you feel like a, you feel a sense of pride as also as probably a sense of responsibility for the people that that are now working with you so yeah, all the above absolutely yeah. how, how was it when you started not just you and Andy to to bring on some employees and and think wow this is great to have the help but you probably also had a little bit of responsibility on your shoulders too right well and it it's still to this day is something that that weighs heavily on both of us is is every decision that we make will affect a multiple of people we have 20 employees now we all kind of you know swing multiple tools to try to make this this big ship run properly and um, while it is great, you know, anytime you have somebody that you're working with, you want to make sure you share the same vision. And if we all share the same vision, which I think almost to a man, we do. We all, we all know that we want to make really good beer. We want to have fun doing it. And we don't want it to feel like a corporate job. And nothing against corporate jobs. You know, they're secure. They pay well. They give you great benefits. But the people that we hire understand that, it's uh, you know it's a bootstrap operation. Everybody's gonna have to to jump in and do something different. Mm-hmm. Some everybody that I know that works for us loves that because they're learning multiple skills along the way. You know somebody could start as a bartender um, and become the like I mentioned earlier the pirate of propaganda. He's like does our marketing and our social media and you know he's using a lot of talents that he initially went to school for 
that he wasn't as a bartender. Right. Honestly. Uh, another guy just moved up here and was going to our university locally and liked what we were doing and said, I'd like to volunteer on the canning line. Well, now he's like our head cellarman and apprentice brewer right now. That's so we great. have the opportunity for everybody to kind of expand themselves. And that's always our goal is to make sure if you're, if you're a bartender and in, in a year or two years, whatever your timeline is, you want to be the um, sales rep for Patagonia out in Moab. Well, then let's work with you on that. Let's figure out a way for you to get merchandising experience, sales experience. Like, let's pad that resume so you can go. We don't want to hold you back. We want to expand you to the point where you can go where you want to go, whatever that passion may be. Um, we've had very little turnover. Uh, I think it's a testament to kind of the, the tight-knit family that we have here. Um, but everybody is everybody's on the same page, which is great. That's good. You probably set that up from the beginning, right? I mean, we were talking about being in the corporate world and you do the interview process. It's probably quite different from the Black Rocks Brewery interview process. Oh, could, yes. Could you shed a little light on, <laughs> on you're talking about, hey, you got to be passionate about beer. You got to be passionate about having fun. Like, what's the interview process look like at, at Black Rocks? So that is, um, that is, we are having spent so much time in that corporate world. Um, you know, we want it to be as far from that as possible for us. That's just us. Yeah. Um, and so a typical interview will be, uh, you're interested in being a bartender. Um, you know, we'll sit down and, you know, typically we have people who have actually gone through the pub numerous times and kind of mentioned, hey, if you're ever hiring, if you're ever hiring. But then we'll sit down and we'll just say, all right, here's three beers. Take a sip. Describe them. Tell us what you think. Um, tell us how you would talk about this beer to somebody who's novice and, and naive to it. And tell us what you think of it. Or, you know, maybe it'll be something where we'll be like, look, we want to get to know you. We're going to go on a mountain bike ride. And you can tell a lot about somebody if they're on a mountain bike ride, if they're going to be, you know, a presser or a leader or a follower or, um, you know, what their aggressive levels are, what their frustration levels are with difficulty. I mean, it's just we can do whatever we want, which is nice. I love that. When it's also, you know, a testament to the... Uh active lifestyle out here too absolutely I mean, whether you're actively drinking some beer or you're actively getting out there sometimes you do one to get the other and, and vice versa exactly yeah you finish the finish the bike ride so you can drink the beer right um and and i think that that is the one thing that we've had to be kind of conscious of is because we we do hire a lot of people who have similar likes we all like to bike we all like to enjoy the outdoors well it can become a little bit of a problem when there's a very big you know bike camping trip that everybody wants to go on nobody wants to stay back and <laughs> and, and work and so it's kind of like all right we have to you know diversify a little bit as far as what are your interests do you like to bike uh you know i like it but it's not my main thing i like to do this mm-hmm. like great you're perfect you're, you're gonna be around when everybody else wants to go on a, a bike so, camping so diversifying trip. the interests is actually a good thing it's That's a great good. thing yeah and, and people will expose you to things that you may not be comfortable with or or used to doing excellent excellent hey i wanted to ask you a little bit about um when you started i i, I saw this article that uh, chronicled the incredible steady growth of small and independent brewers from 2011 to 2015, mm-hmm. right around the time you guys started 2011. Uh, you guys started in 2010. Uh, but the total volume share has increased from 5.5% to 12.5% by 2015. I don't have the statistics for 2017. I'm assuming it's continuing to grow. So you guys jumped in this market right around this 
you know, hotbed of time for, for microbreweries. Did you think about that when it was happening? Did you just decide, hey, we're going for it? Did, how did that all work? Uh, well, lucky or smart, lucky wins every time. <laughs> and we did not think about it. We didn't even think beyond. I mean, our, 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 pro, our pro forma was like, you know, maybe by year five we'll have the need or the, the, the money to, to upgrade to a three-barrel system. So we're well beyond what we could have possibly thought. And, and reacting to market conditions was, was an important part of that. Um, but no, we didn't. And I think, I think it was just – we saw it in a periphery because we, were, we really like craft beer, and, you know, as we were home brewing. And the market that we were in was naive and, and, and tapped. And so it was just luck. Yeah, it but was I mean, just luck. but I mean, it has to have helped your business this this nationwide oh, upswing with everything, right? Absolutely. But I, you know, there, there's caution there too. I mean, we were lucky to get in distribution when we did because it's getting very crowded on the shelves. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there. You know, twelve percent doesn't come from from five. It comes from five hundred. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's like twenty five or maybe it's like forty five hundred microbreweries now. Really? But wow. so, you know, now now shelf space is crowded. Retailers are having to turn people away and say, you know, we just don't have room for you. <laughs> so we were lucky there that we decided to go into it when we did. Um I think I think ultimately if if you make a good product and you know your niche and you kinda follow what that passion is you'll end up somewhere safe. Okay. If you're going into it because it looks like there's this 5 to 12% growth and you're going to have a, you know, a probably a return of, you know, 33% on your, you know, your million dollar investment, well then you're in it for the wrong reason. Sure. You you know, you're, you're going to get burnt. You have to know that you may have to back off a little bit and contract a little bit. And if you're not prepared for that financially, then you're just going to fizzle out. So do you see um Obviously, we're whatever twelve percent, maybe even more than that. Twenty seventeen. Where, where do you think this is going? Do you think it's going to hit a point where people start to get frustrated and be like, "Hey, I can't even get on the shelves," and then maybe there's just sort of a, I don't want to say tipping point, but uh, you know, a, a top of this market. I think uh, there's always a top to every market. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I mean, there's been some really crazy acquisitions, and obviously that twelve percent comes at a great expense to InBev now that they own everything. <laughs> um, I think I heard a long time ago when we first started, like every percent is $10 million out of their pocket, essentially, wow. right? You know, so it's just this, when you get to 12%, they have to act. And that's yeah. why they're they're doing all these acquisitions to try to have um, control of their own craft market. How can they do the acquisitions while still having the local flavor, the local feel like that you guys have here in Marquette? I feel like if you're purchased by a conglomerate, how can you continue to have that? I well, know, I think vibe the vibe that you guys have here. I think the the beer nerds and people who are awesomely into beer would say that they don't. You know, there's there's this sellout mentality, and I go back and forth both ways. You know, I mean, I, in one respect, you know, if if Imbev came to me and said, "Here's fifty million dollars," that's that's real money. That, sure, that's hard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we're it, it won't happen. So I feel like I can say. <laughs> I'll never do it. We can talk it. fantasy land here. <laughs> um, but, but you do lose something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you get less control. You have less, you have less 
guidance into where you want it to go. They're making those decisions. And if they decide like, oh, the grain you're using is too expensive, we're going to do this, you don't have a choice. Yeah. So, you know, can I say that somebody who's been acquired has been different? In some cases, I can, I can notice it. And others, I don't know. You yeah. know, time will tell. Absolutely. Well, are there any uh, brewers out there that are doing what you're doing that have been either influential to you or people you see out there, you're like, wow, I really like how they're doing it. You know, we, we try to, we play really nice. We're, we're a strong brethrenship still. Um, so I won't say there's anyone in particular. I will say that in, in our maturity, we've reached out to many. Some have been very cordial and, and have helped out and give us great information. Um, some have not. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the nature. They're just like, eh, no, we don't have time for you. Sure. And that's cool. I, I respect that. Um, but as we travel around or as we interact or as we uh, see and experience different components of our industry, there are things that we kind of go, I like that. I would like to incorporate that. Um, a lot of it is also outside the industry. You know, we, we run our place almost like a, like a tech company. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're done for the day, go. Go, right. go bike, go, go spend time with your family. You don't, don't be busy work. Um, if, if you want to go on a two week vacation to Iceland, go on a two, like, I don't want to hold you back. That's not our, that's right. not our goal. We'll manage. We'll figure it out together. We can all do each other's jobs. Go and experience it. Other things is the anti-corporate thing. You know, we just don't want to be a corporate entity. So that's, those are, those are things off the table that we don't want to be like. So mm-hmm. we, we knew going in, we didn't want to be like these. Right. We didn't want to have these things. We, we didn't even do uh, employee reviews for the first two years until they came to us and said, you know, we'd like to do reviews. And we're like, <laughs> right. oh, we God, really? <laughs> oh, why would you want to do that? So we said, okay. As long but, as they don't ask for time cards, right? <laughs> yeah, no, well, we do do cards. We have to keep time cards. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, but we decided that we wanted to do them not how we did them when we were going through pharma. And that was basically review yourself, give it to your manager. The manager reviews it, adds on, or gives you points of improvement and... Um, accolades for the things that you've already said you've done well. Uh, and so that that isn't how we wanted to do it. We wanted to kind of go on that previous discussion of like, well, how can we better you so you can do a job that you want to do or you can be better at the job you're doing? So we did this thing where we said, all right, Andy, mm-hmm. you are X position. We're going to have reviews and you need to write in an essay format what your perfect day looks like either a year from now or some po- you know some point in the future. Yeah. And boy, you get you get amazing insight into people. Hmm. When when you don't give them structure, you just say it's up to you. Do what you want. Some people may be like, "I love my job. I just hope I have it next year." Uh, blah 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 blah. Okay, great. Guy wants to stay. Yep. You, know, you know, we get that. Um, and then we can come. You know, we can say, "Hey, you're doing a great job. You're, you're selling yourself a little short here because you do this well. You do this well. You do this well." Um, Others would say, here's my perfect day. And they'd have an essay of like three pages. Like, I like my tools where they belong. You know, I show up at six and I have music playing. And I really like to have skylights because it's a little dark during the winter. Um, You see things that are important to people because they they take the time to mention it. So they're not doing it for whimsy. They're doing it because it is important to them. So we try to create a a blue sky list of things that we would all like to see at the brewery and um, try to accomplish them as best we can. And then maybe I want to be that Patagonia guy selling out in Moab. Yep. 
they tell us, then we, we structure that so that they can pad that resume and have that experience to carry through. That's great. Well, that's great. You're building an incredible culture at your uh, at your brewery. So where where do you see this business going? Let's call it three to five years from now. What's what's your you're, you're blue sky my, day? You're asking for mine. What's your blue sky day? <laughs> uh, you know, I think we'd like to kind of maintain continual growth. There's some markets we'd like to still enter. There's some aspects of our business that we need to improve or um, you know fine tune. But I guess I'd like to just make sure everybody's everybody's employed and happy. I mean that that's it. We had we had good wages, and yes, I'd like to make more money, but that's not the end all be all. I'd like to make sure my employees are taken care of. I'd like to make sure I have you know a modest amount of of my time, um, and I hope that they would have their time as well, whether it be through family or for their own personal growth. So that's a roundabout answer saying I don't that's know. Great. That's great. Well, that's, <laughs> no, you, you know what? If you use those as your, your guideposts, then you do know. That's great. Keep following that, and that's how you guys have done it from the beginning. It, so it has. I admire you guys for that. Absolutely. So I'm a, I'm a family man, and you are too. Try to be. <laughs> well, that's the question. How do we balance this, uh, this ability to become a successful entrepreneur, a great husband, and a father? You're a father to three awesome gentlemen so how do, how do you do that balance man uh i think that takes that takes the family team approach um you know there's there's times when uh we go too far you know you can get very consumed when it's your own business and you need to have that open and 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 good line of communication with everybody where they say hey we'd like to see you more yeah um and, and so it was super important that you know my family kept me in check and they said, you're working too much. Sure. Can you, can you give us some time? Yep. And you know, you figure out a way to do that. Um, could I spend 24 seven on this thing? Yes. Sometimes I feel like I do. It depends on the time of year. Um, but we've got technology now we've got, you know, personally we have great employees that I trust. And so I can pull back a little bit. But I'm also a control freak, so mm-hmm. I can't let it go entirely. And you feel passionate about it too. It's 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 essentially it's not my name, but it's it's right. my reputation as 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 this business that goes out every day. Mm-hmm. We have a saying. I don't know if you saw it on the garage door, but if we don't like it, it doesn't leave. Yeah. And that's that's a hard thing to swallow. If there's a product that's not quite to your to your liking, you have to decide: do we dump it, or do we send it out and not be excited that somebody's going to try it and not be happy about it? Yeah. So. You know, I think ultimately in the in the, the time issue, it's gotten a lot better. The first three years were terrible. Um, and slowly trying to find the dial and figure out where I can allocate time for those things. Family, kids, myself. You know, a lot of times you, you, you sacrifice your own self-time and, and you need that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are great words for all of us, especially in the situation that we all have. Married, kids, money, everything that we're dealing with. So... You uh, you have those three young boys. Yep. Um, your name's not on the building. You said, nope. but but this could be a family legacy. Are are you interested in that? Are the are the kids interested in that? How does that work? Well, my eldest son uh, works for me now, and in you know over college break he'll he'll come in and work and and do the the jobs that everybody else does. Uh, I think he's currently thinking that he doesn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I think if, if, 
if there was this crazy perfect world he would go and get something related to and be able to bring back something better than I could do and maybe the other one would become an accountant and be able so ultimately it's it's theirs if they want it yep but they're still young enough that they don't know what it is we do tell everybody how, how young how old your boys are so currently uh 20 17 and 14 and they are um all things hilarious funny <laughs> they are goofballs uh i just have a blast hanging out with them We've, we spent a lot of time with them this weekend so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up a little bit but i wanted to ask you when you got started with the business did you have some resources books this is less about the brewing brewing side of thing more about the entrepreneurial side of things did you have some resources books that helped you get started in the business and and, and that helped to motivate you that uh, that you could share with the audience yeah not a lot of books because there isn't um you know there was one that sam calgione wrote he's the uh the founder of dogfish head out in uh uh new hampshire is it rohibeth delaware uh, i don't remember what state he's in one anyway states. um <laughs> and and he talked about just the start of his business, um, Brooklyn Brewery, uh, read that book about them starting their business. But then a lot of it was was tangential, unrelated to the industry. You know, podcasts about entrepreneurship or uh, general business, um, things of that nature. And then again, as I mentioned before, you know, talking to a lot of people in the industry in Michigan that had insights. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, a couple of days ago, trial and error. Too, trial and error. Right? Yeah. Trial and error. Figure huge. it out. Yeah, sometimes you <laughs> fail. That's okay. It's a lesson. All right, let's talk to the person who has that inkling of a business idea out okay. there right now, yep. and they're thinking of making the change from the, the 9 to 5, the, the W2, and starting their entrepreneurial adventure. What would you say to that person? Obviously, your situation might be a little different from theirs, but what right. would you say to that, to that generic person? I would say that if, if you feel passionate about it, you have to follow it. If, you, if, if, if it's something that keeps you up at night, or is is consuming your brain all the time, then then you're you're not doing yourself any favors because you're gonna look back one day and go, what if, what if I did? I should have. Life's too short for regrets. I guess that's that'd be it. I love it, man. I love it. All right, let's tell people where they can buy this tasty beer if they are lucky to be in these states. All right, so in Michigan, pretty much everywhere, in the greater Green Bay metro area in Wisconsin, the greater Madison metro area, and uh, the Fox Valleys of Wisconsin, for those of you in the know. And and that is about it right now. So ask your local liquor store. Sure. What's the best place to do that? Yep, local yeah. liquor store. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, jump on uh, on any beer blogs if you have any beer friends and, and see if it's hit your neighborhood. Excellent, man. And, and then uh, socially, where can people follow Black Rocks to learn a little bit more about your brand and all the exciting things you guys are doing? You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. And we always put up some pretty fun, interesting stuff that kind of exemplifies our lifestyle and our culture up here. Excellent. Well, I'll put all those uh, links in the show notes, and we're going to let the pirate of propaganda maybe uh, you know uh, talk to these people about uh, everything that's going on. Did I pronounce that right? Pirate yes, of pirate of propaganda. Oh, I did it right. All right, good. About your brand and everything that's going uh, going well with everything with BlackRock. So, David, thank you so much for your time, man. This is a blast. We are literally sitting in one of the warehouses yep. here <laughs> and enjoying a beautiful sunshine day and uh, and some beers. We're about to go hang out for the 4th of July parade. With beers. With more beers uh, over here in, in beautiful Marquette. So, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate your thank time. Thank you. Great seeing you. Good, right. good talking to you. I've been waiting to do that interview for a long time. David, my brother-in-law, has 
always been someone that I've really looked up to. He's been a great example to me on how to be a supportive husband, an engaged father, and now a successful businessman. This interview solidified three important points for me. Number one, follow your passion. Like David said, if you have something that you're thrilled about and it keeps you up at night, go for it. You don't want to look back and say, as David said, what if? Number two, build your business slow and steady. Much like everything else in life, entrepreneurial success doesn't come overnight. It takes time, patience, and a whole lot of hard work. Number three, stay authentic and true to your original mission. David and his partner, Andy, have developed a truly unique brand. That brand personality is what draws people to their product. Like David said, there are literally thousands of other craft brewers competing for shelf space out there. That authenticity that they've created will help them stand out amongst this huge crowd. We should all do the same in our entrepreneurial ventures. I hope this interview inspires you to follow your passion and reach a place of true happiness. And when you get there, make sure to crack open a Black Rocks to celebrate. If you're interested in learning more about David and Black Rocks and seeing some of their great photos of this establishment and all the other resources I mentioned during the show, I have placed all of those links in the show notes at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 42. At that same link in the comments section, let me know what your entrepreneurial dreams are and how you are pursuing them. Have you heard of this new fad called social media? I, I, I'm not sure if it's going to stick around long, social media, but I've joined a few of these sites just to be safe. So if you'd do me a favor and please connect with me at Marriage Kids and Money on Facebook, Facebook, Facebook today, I'd really appreciate it. I'm sharing all of these interviews, news articles, and free resources to help you make more money and save more money. So check me out on Facebook. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Steve Jobs. Your work is going to fill a large part of your life. And the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. Here's to pursuing your passion, everyone. Carpe diem. 